You're listening to the Out of Ashan podcast, where we analyze and offer helpful solutions to issues in our world today. Here are your hosts, June and Co. Welcome to another podcast, Out of Ashan. We are here. I am your host, June. And I'm Co. We are excited about another podcast. And this subject matter is really, really important to us. And we wanted to talk about some of our own personal experiences. So, you know, this whole term, all these different terms, you know, you had first it was colored people. And now the new term is people of color. You have African-American, you got Asian-American, you got all these different classifications. So I wanted to dive into that a little bit. Um, African-American. What's the definition of African-American? I think it, it I think when it first came into play it was basically differentiating or, or specifying away from the term black and saying we have a lineage in a connection with Africa but we are here and living in America. But there's so many different types of what you would consider to be African American. You know you have is any black person who speaks English African American who who's born in America was that black American cuz that was a term before African American I mean technically would be a person who it could I, I, well i used to think it was us you know right. who parents were born in africa but we were born here so we would technically be african american and so for this conversation our experience as first generation africans born in america technically is african american at its purest form i believe yeah so that's such a huge topic instead of trying to go vast let's just talk about our experience as african americans among other Black people or other Africans or African Americans. <laughs> see, see how confusing <laughs> the terminology is. So, so we just say African Americans, and then we'll just, uh, I guess, maybe differentiate blacks. So blacks yeah. in America, black people in America versus being African. African. You know, growing up as a kid, um, you hear all kind of stuff. You know, African booty scratcher. Assimilate. <laughs> yeah. It's an assimilation because our parents, right, they they came, you know, especially our parents from Ghana came from Kwame Nkrumah mindset, you know, in the 60s, 70s. And they came to America. I just found out my dad got here in 67, 68. So that's... He was here a long time. I think my parents came... Yeah, bell bombs and everything. They was telling me about it literally just like two days ago. I was like, dang. But my parents, I think, came here in like 82, 83, around that time. Yeah. Oh, wow. They were in the early 80s. Your dad was rolling. He was yeah, he was already he was here. I mean, great. I remember asking my dad, yo, dad, why'd you go to America? He said, James Brown. There you go. James Brown gave him the... <laughs> Look at so the once again, music. Music. Way over there. Music was... There was no there. internet. So that means James Brown, live shows. That's music real impact. Is, there you go. Very real impact. Yeah, you're right. James Brown. So he, they had to assimilate with a different mindset. They were raised differently. They had just gotten free from pre-colonial... I mean, well, the colonial regime that was there, the British, mm-hmm. and Kwame Nkrumah was the first, uh, I think Ghana was the first country to receive its independence in Africa. So they're coming from that type of mindset, which is incredible. So just think about it. If, you know, black people got freed on a high level here in America under the Obama administration, and then those kids that came out of it, the impact they have, which we do see. Mm-hmm. Like my daughter, she's 10, your daughter's 13. 13. They're, when they were growing up, they knew Obama. They saw a black president. That's the first thing they saw. So the mindset that they have totally is different. a totally different mindset. So you see sort of the, some of the correlations, but them coming into a whole nother country, a whole nother new land and not knowing the rules at all, really. Mm-hmm. And then we getting born, we're born here and we're like, 
raised by Africans in America. So we're land. We're in two different mindsets. And you see that in the Bible as well. You see Moses. You know, we talk about Moses a lot. I love studying Moses because he, he I, I can relate to him to, so much because he was a Hebrew, but was raised as an Egyptian in the ways of an Egyptian. I mean, for years and a rich one at that. So he was raised in Pharaoh's court. There you go. He's he's seen it all. He's I seen mean, the inside he was the outside. Royalty. He's seeing people, his own people getting oppressed and broken. But it says in the scriptures that his mom and his sister, they taught him the ways. So he was very aware of his um his Hebrew heritage. And then just at a certain point, it begins to gnaw at you or you become awoke or you're awakened. Thus why we have the yeah. whole thing of Ashan now. Mm -hmm. It's like we went to Missouri. We were in South Tough Carolina. Carolina. We Texas, were in everywhere. Texas, Arizona, California, all these different places. And really didn't, it didn't connect. Even when I was in Benin eight years ago, I went through the door of no return, which that's where a lot of the slaves went into the French quarters and into a lot of the islands like Haiti. And they said that's the, the center of voodoo. That's a whole nother conversation about, you know, that whole topic, but we won't get into it now. But I remember going through it and I hear myself asking the tourist guide, questions as if I'm outside of that situation. situation. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, this happened and this happened. Then he talked about the Africans enslaving one another because we were enslaving one another, but it was very different. And I want to clarify that it was very different because you could when say like in Ghana, when the Ashantis were going through and conquering different parts of the lands, they were allowing the people. It was like indentured servant. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. They could marry. Yeah. yeah. They could still marry into families. They were treated well. You could buy land. It wasn't to the extreme of what happened during the transatlantic slave trade. Right. And like I said in a previous podcast, even during that time, slavery was happening all over the world. It was just that this form of slavery just went too extreme. And we had tension. We remember we were in a go-go band. We met with some uh, band members from another church because we was a gospel go-go band. All African at that. Yeah, it was everybody all in the band was African, like us, first generation. So it was an African African American band playing amongst other Black African Americans who had been. But here we didn't. For a we didn't time. know we were African though. That we, was amazing that we we were African because they told us we were African. We didn't know we were African. Yeah, because we were like we was feeling some animosity. We like, hey, let's have a meeting because as Christians and people who say that they follow God, right. why are we having these? these beefs what's going on so we sat down and got to the bottom of it and he was like well y'all africans think y'all better than everybody it was like whoa, whoa. Now, hold on yeah first of all uh, no, i mean i'm african but i got i got ddtp on i got <laughs> i went mad right you know what i'm saying i but got my ralph phone posits. Yeah. it ain't ralph <laughs> <laughs> i got my phone posits so i'm i'm dressed i dress better than you you saying i'm african that's how i used to get people in school they'd be like trying to clown me call me african booty scratcher Shame, all these different names and I'll be like but I'll take your girl though you know what I'm saying we was out and, and I'm pushing different cars yeah. I used to get different cars from my uncle I get a car from this person so we go around we go to Northwestern we go to his school because he was on the other side high point pull up trying to holler at him they didn't want to talk to us or they yeah. did talk to yeah. us it was just like whatever it was a bit. we never really messed with girls at the school because in we church we mess with church <laughs> girls oh, oh we mess with church, church girls either. Girl. that's a whole nother situation <laughs> y'all bringing the light skinned girls in so you see all the division the light versus the black and, and we didn't we didn't even learn about that whole idea of how they viewed us like mm -hmm. we're talking our own African sisters based on the girls we used to deal with bringing them to church I mean think about it we weren't going out doing crazy stuff we would invite people to church and we would catch a heat Y'all bringing these. We had our girls. moments, but like, we wasn't out of control. We knew how to. We did it with moderation. moderation. Yeah, you gotta. When you do something wrong, you gotta calculate and and take 
calculated rest. You don't want to be go going too far. Yeah, don't yeah, be we, going. He never went off the deep end. <laughs> the point of no return. Or we could talk our way out of that. Right. There were a lot of cultural barriers as well growing up um, because, you know, have, you had the language. We grew up in African church, so we would be in Africa on Sunday, Monday, uh, Sundays, Sunday night. We go to church quite a bit, and then you go to school in the hood. Totally different world. So, so you like getting both sides of it and learning culture. And now we see long term, like I said, with Moses, he was able to speak the language. Mm -hmm. He was able to speak Egyptian and yet Hebrew. And that's one of the most powerful things to have. So we realized that we have to share this knowledge and this wealth because there's such a divide even amongst African and black people. Uh, I think that's the first step. You gotta gotta embrace each other because that's what's so vitally important. Mm -hmm. One of the things we keep harping on is you gotta accept your individuality and your uniqueness. Yeah. So you have we have brethren from Haiti, their native language there is French. So they decide to come to the United States instead of make teasing them because they can't speak English or they're having troubles. Embrace them, and you can learn from their experience. Well, the native language was probably something else. Something else I, it right. was been, it, <laughs> well, French, French was a colonized language. <laughs> you know? But it's just like ours was English. We're speaking yeah. English right yeah. now. So it's like, that's important to understand that our vibration and our language barrier from the beginning has been off. We were born into English. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? So that's already a hurdle that we have to overcome as a group. Being African, living in a black culture, because obviously we lived in areas that were pretty much majority black, you're living in two different worlds as well, because your home life is one world. Life outside is another world. You're listening to the Out of Ashan podcast. You know, what I was going to say is another example of some of the struggles that children who are born to African parents who also now live here in the States and this uh, current culture is when we were growing up. So we, when we were growing up, we loved a music that's native to the D.C. area called Go-Go. Mm. And this was like back in the 90s. We graduated high school in 96, JYB, Backyard, all those bands. So we played in a, a gospel Go-Go band. Which was still at the same time, it was the same when hip-hop was in its mm -hmm. heyday or in its prime, Go-Go was in its, in its prime. prime. Yeah. Exactly, in D.C., so the gospel go-go band we played for, I mean, we used to crank. We, I mean, it got to the point where, because we started this band, ooh, what, 10th grade, 10th, 11th grade? 90, I just know we used to go to the go-go, and then we had that whole spiritual experience Conversion, growing right. up. And, and then we was like, we're going to do gospel go-go. They was like, gospel go-go? Mm -hmm. That's when the Washington Post oh, came. Every everybody. I mean, we used to, because we had our annual uh, concert was always New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. New Year's Day concert. Yeah, yeah. It was always New Year's Day. So January 1st, every year, we would take out the chairs of the church and it's just this one big auditorium and just have everybody. We didn't care if you went to church, didn't go to church, went to the Go-Go's because we actually wanted the street people because we wanted that street cred. But okay, because if y'all tell us, <laughs> if y'all approve of our music, we know it was just the right thing. Yeah. So, and we did this for, I mean, years, years. We brought other bands into the fold. So at the height, we used to partner with two other bands in particular. They were the most popular, popular ones. Bands we were the top three bands. We used to travel a lot too, yeah, as well, because we, we was all over the place. Yeah, like for school, exactly. and they were like, "When is POC coming, coming back?" Because we only played in the summertime because everybody was in college at the time. Mm -hmm. So we would come back and do special events during holidays. But New Year's, we knew everybody was in town, so that's when we had like our big, our major, major concert. Uh, so it was like during that time, you know with a couple of the bands we sat down because we started to feel like there was some type of animosity or a little, little rift going on because sometimes we'll hear that a band is playing somewhere 
and they wouldn't tell us about it. So after, you know, we said, so let's have a meeting. We sat down to talk about this. And one of the things that came out of the conversation was a leader in the other band was saying how that when he was growing up, he always felt that Africans thought they were better than him. So because of that, he was now infusing and directing some of that anger that he had had from a childhood onto us. Because once again, our band was comprised of all Africans. James Ross. Except James Ross. Shout out to James. James Ross was our singer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But besides that, we're like, whoa, okay. But then another band member from a different band had mentioned like, yeah, you know, when we tell people about y'all, we're like, oh yeah, them, uh, those African dudes, yeah, they crank. We're like, whoa, so y'all give us the African label when you're talking about us? We didn't know that. So at that point we had our reality check like, oh, so we are African to y'all. Because up until this time, we thought we were all the same. Yeah. Because if if you saw us in a, in a lineup of people, you couldn't designate who's African or not. Like, well, you just no way. Yeah, I you mean, well, it. you you like you're a little browner. No. It was me. Double D. You Remember Double me? D? From some, double D? Yeah. We used to tease Double D, but <laughs> and yeah. we all look the same. But I'm talking about in POC, there was like... Shades? <laughs> dark shades. It was like four or five of us. So I can understand why they would say that, but that, it still didn't register for It didn't us. register like, at all. Hmm? What are y'all talking about? Right. I mean, people, lo- people love us. You see when we play... Because you you have a negative connotation with African. That's like, it. You hear African, it's like... Nasty, bad, they smell, all that kind of stuff. Uncivilized. We we used to have people fighting. We could show you clips. (laughs) (laughs) We had to stop music. We went to an all-white church and started one of our big songs was Champion. Champion. And we was like, are you, are you, are you a champion? They would go and rush the stage. I don't know if you've ever seen a mosh pit. Like, it was unruly. Go-Go is black people's rock and roll. Man, that thing is lively. (laughs) Speakers to the ceiling, the bass is thumping. Y'all go too far because we came from the real Go-Go world. And we're like, we're not going to play on these little speakers and talk about, hey, Jesus, clap your hands. We need the same stuff the professionals use. Excellence and everything. Everything. And I think that's what intimidated people, too, is that we were very, like... They're like, yo, that's going to cost too much. Can you, we just play on this right. system? we like, no, nah, we can't be there. If we're not going all the way. Oh, y'all people. think y'all better than us. So maybe that's a lot where it came from. Our standards were high. But we also inspired some of those bands because... That's true. Up until a certain point, Nobody it was typically was, yeah. drums and congos. Mm-hmm. And then we went and got the full, not just the two, but with a full rototon set. Everything. And Because at one time, they were like, oh, we didn't know we could play that at church. We were like, how can you not embrace the full aspect of the music. When you go see the regular bands, they have everything. And it was in its prime. Right. Gogo like, was what? everything. And Gogo, remember, this is when DC was like the murder capital of the world too. Mm-hmm. So when they was trying to ban Gogo, it was a whole nother ball game. Like they was going hard. I mean, this goes back to what we previously spoke about on the uh, the last podcast was about our purpose, about who we are. That also ties into the creation of our being because mm-hmm. Our ability to navigate, to go into different circles and still affect change and be those agents of change and be those leaders. Because even the people that were in the go-go industry, like our barbers, I mean, these people, drug dealers, I mean, people coming in with (laughs) guns and everything. Because the church people were terrified because they're like, what is this? We're like, y'all want to do outreach, right? Y'all want the people that are out there. This is how you bring them in. Right. They used to give us a thumbs up. Remember Q-Ball? Q-Ball. I remember Q-Ball. He had his EBN. He put his hands in here. They literally... If, if I could paint a picture for you, just imagine a large church empty in the middle of the hood 
the door is wide open. We kept the doors open because we wanted them to hear the music. <laughs> so people would literally be walking on the sidewalks, driving, and just turn in because they heard go-go music. They're like, what like, band is that? At the church? At church? Yeah. What band is that? So people were just filing in. <laughs> yes. So it got to a point, it got to so big where one year, the next year we had to put in a budget for security. Mm-hmm. And that sent the church to the roof. They were like, yeah. whoa, why are cops hit? We're like, well, to protect you guys, we decided since we're, everyone's coming in, okay, we're going to have security scans, people getting waved because yeah. we don't want people bringing guns in here and then y'all say, see, and try Somebody to shut us down. killed. Right. Because it was the it murder capital awesome. world. Yeah. A lot of stuff was going on during it. that time. And that was what was so inspirational that we were able to bridge the gap. So we see throughout our life, yeah. we've been bridge builders, bone collectors, mm-hmm. I would call it. You know, Ezekiel talks about the valley of dry bones and shall these dry bones live again. And then he said, he prophesied to the bones. He said, what do you see, son of man? Mm-hmm. He said, see. I see that there's a valley of dry bones. I see that black people are dispersed throughout the earth. I mm-hmm. see that black people aren't, they're divided amongst each other. How can they unify? He said, speak to them. Mm-hmm. So we had that belief that, yo, once we do this music and we start speaking, we used to preach before we played and people would wait because they was like, yo, they crank. Let's just let them say whatever they gonna say. We used to play like or uh, opera music, and give you we a Bible lesson. We, you, if you came to any of our events, you were going to get preaching, <laughs> inspiration, daily bread. daily bread. Like we had it. I mean, think about it. John was a, he was the lead, Mike. He was going to seminary. I was at Frostburg. I'm doing education. Keyboard players, engineer. Yeah. The Congo player. He's a physical therapist. Yeah. Like we were educated people. And that's the other aspect yeah. because the other bands, they weren't heading that same trajectory. But then you can also see the divide. And this is what we'll talk about later on this podcast of the value system, mm-hmm. the backgrounds that we came from. Our parents playing in these bands to them was childish nonsense. Yeah. Like, you're wasting your time. Mm-hmm. Their thing is focus on education. Yeah. So go you can be see, a teacher. Go be a doctor. Go be a doctor. Right. Yeah. So you can see the strong pull for education. That's why everybody in the band, everybody has a degree. Yeah. Master's degree yeah. on top of that. Yeah. When you look, some people have their doctorate degrees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's doing like... The, commercial. The Shout out to my man, Dez. Dez, you know exactly. Everybody, he was talking about doing that a long time ago. Though. And now, he, you, everything we focused on, we got a strong foundation in community, especially at our church. Being African, it was like, that was our kind of safe haven. So you had a bunch of us growing up together in the church. We would do things together from, you know, throwing eggs to, you know, going to the go-go together. We would go to church. We'd be like, yo, we're going to all night prayer meeting and we'll get to all night prayer meeting. And everybody's praying throughout the night. was like, yo, we're going to go see junk at the Safari Club. Then we'll come back to church. <laughs> then we'll go back out late on because they're supposed to be at the IBEX at two. And we would just... Go all pray over. all over the place. And it was a part of our culture. So our childhood was the was the greatest thing. But so that's why we didn't really notice a lot of the divisive things. We would look at it like, hmm, mm-hmm. what? What do you we're going to the go go? I don't right. know what y'all are on. So instead of playing football or basketball sports, which some of our brothers did, but in the band, we was in a band from what, temper I mean, we started earlier Early. actually. We used yeah. to play at Belfort Towers. Yeah, that, that's ninth Outside, grade. Ninth that grade. Would... Yeah, it started. It started like in ninety two, around ninety one, ninety two, around that time, mm-hmm. and went all the way for at least another fifteen years. And we, like he said, we would travel. We was all over the country going to school. We'd come back in the summertime, and everybody was so excited for us to come back. We would play. Couldn't even work. We couldn't work in the summertime, so everything was on on the back burner because mm-hmm. we knew once you got home, it was straight band because churches were lined up. You had vacation Bible schools, all these summer events for these youth groups. Everybody's trying to get you booked in. We had personal assistants. I mean, full payroll. 
We was I mean, we yeah. like we were running this organization as little teenagers. This is true. We had line items in the church budget. <laughs> like they would go in, oh, we have church revenue, building fund. Oh, POC had their own line because we had our checks coming through. We mm-hmm. had expenditures. Yeah. We were running organizations we like in like early people to, from other con- of other states to come to, to our come, conference. To conference. We would do like we had a music conference. We had a mu- yeah, sixteen year old boys <laughs> music <laughs> conference. We had a regional music co- and bringing professionals. We met cross site for people yep. in New York. Yep. We would go places LA. to meet these people, make these connections. Yep. But hey, come to DC, Michelle, put them in hotels. Yeah. We did everything. Yo, I forgot about transportation, that. like air flights, like we were booking and doing all this as teenagers. Wow, that's that's crazy. Impressive. Yeah, that's really it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, and, but, and, but it's that background. We mm-hmm. we if we had that background, because here's the thing, we had the best of both worlds. Because till this day, we always tell each other, I think we might have had the best childhood ever. Yeah, like even I don't care. Like we used to complain. Send your emails in and let me know if you got a better childhood. <laughs> better than us. I promise. I mean, we we used to complain. Oh man, why is it that? Well, we look at other families, our parents don't, the whole family doesn't sit down and eat. Like, that was our issue. Right. Like, why don't I, like, but we're dealing with people who didn't even know who their fathers were. Right. Like, we know who mom and dad is, but we know they got the hustle. But so for our gripe was, dang, like, when we have dinner and breakfast, like, no one, everyone doesn't sit together. Wow. Now, you that, you put it, now that you put it like that, everybody in our band, at least, came from... Both, two families. Two, both parents were in the we home. Yep. Now, there's dynamics there, too, and there's no formula you know what i'm saying there's no formula to it because you can have both parents there and come out crazy mm-hmm. and you can have a single parent come out great or vice versa so there isn't like a, a, a one way for it to be done but there is something to say about having that family structure of having a male and female influence in the house it gives a stability um that is very difficult to find when you don't have those two in the home and, so. and even look at all the friends mm-hmm. african-americans hispanic everybody Everybody in our neighborhood, both parents were in the house. Both parents. For me. For the most part. For me, it wasn't the case except for, yeah, actually my friends did, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the ones who like got off on drugs or had issues, they didn't you have did. those things. You yeah. see it. Because you could see the stark divide. Yeah. Even to this day. That's true. You That's could true. see it, you know. So th- there's something to be said by strong stability in the family structure, mm-hmm. which when you look at Africa, in Africa, that is the staple of the community. Mm-hmm. It's family. It's community. It's about the same thing. You have the same thing in different areas in the United States. If you go to the deep south, they have a more African communal feel than you do when you come up to the north. You know, but because it's that's still where there. a lot of the slaves were. Exactly. 1619, the first slaves came in in Alabama, uh, all through the south, and then they migrated up here. You know, we say all these different terms. DC is really interesting, the culture, because it's somewhat country, but it's, it has the New York upstate kind of feel, feel. as well. Mm-hmm. You go to New York, it's real upstate. You got North Carolina country. We in the middle. So in you get the best mm-hmm. of both worlds. Um, and we had our own culture. That's another thing I loved about DC. We had our own clothes. We had certain words that we use that go across all generations. Like <laughs> young, <laughs> most kind of new, but it's like new. Joe. You know what I'm saying? It's we standard, had madness yeah. is still out. You got DDTP. You got shooters. You got eat. You got these different. Always groups. have small micro entrepreneurs who like carry the uh, the culture. And go-go. You yeah. know, Rio Edwards was like, nah, we won't listen to Top 40. We here. So I was like that too. That's why it's so funny that I got into hip-hop and had to, I came into hip-hop almost as a learner. I had to learn it like in hit, like I had to research because during that time I was listening to go I didn't know that they were doing covers. So I go to school and they doing Remember Me. I'm like, oh, I thought Junk made that. It was somebody they else's knew, joint. They knew the rap music back then. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. 
So that was really uh, helpful in, um, in in bridging the gap. I, I also remember one other story uh, when we were traveling. What was it? What it was Warrington, like Virginia? Right. Wow, you got a good yeah, memory, Warrington. Warrington. Yeah. That's like deep south. Uh-huh. So we got the church van. It's about eight of us in the in the group, and we drive. and And I was tired because it was hot, four ninety five humidity. Y'all know how DC is. We going down 495, 495 right? Yeah, 495 I want to mix south. it up with 405. Yeah. But 495, and we going down, and we talking. I'm like, yo, I'm tired. We need to switch. So it's all right, I'm, cool. I'm wide awake. Wide awake. <laughs> Shout out to Carry On Transportation. See what <laughs> happened. It birthed him, and now he got a fleet of nav- <laughs> navvies that he going around picking up people <laughs> at the time. Shout out to Lavandu, our uncle. uncle. We have so many inspirations that helped us I build who it. we are. So anyway, back to the story. I think I was tired because earlier we had to go, we would have to go to Chuck Levin's way early in the morning. We had to go to Sam Boo Boo's house to go get speakers. the speakers. So we in his home pulling out all these speakers. And he had like a leg issue, so he couldn't help us. So it was just me and, and one of the other band members picking up everything, packing it up. Then we had to go drive around and pick up everybody who throughout the whole DC area. So and that was a whole drive. four hour. So I was work. tired. You was coming from Fort Worth, so you tired. Everybody else is knocked out in the car. So we took out like the first couple of seats because we had to put the drums in there. We had to put the sound system, everything, everything to just perform and to uh, serve. And, and and we love music so much. But anyhow, so we driving, everybody's asleep. I'm kind of half in and out. All of a sudden we hear, boosh. Oh, the instruments fly to the front. Things are discombobulated. He trying to hold it back. I look over, <laughs> I'm in the front seat. I look at him like, yo, what's going on? He looked over at me. I thought somebody hit us. I thought somebody hit us. Because let's preface this. I had just come down from Frostburg the night before. Oh, so that was like a three-hour drive. Shout just out to, to come Frostburg. Down, Frostburg State University just to come down <laughs> to go to Warrington, Virginia for this event. But, you know, you know, at the time when you're sitting in vehicles, you're wide awake and other person sleeps. So long story short, we hit this car, smashed. It was like a, uh, it was a Chevy Cavalier, yep. navy blue. No, it was an Escort. Escort. Yeah, and that was a family, hatchback. Yeah, a family, they were on their way to, I think, Disney. And they were going for the first time ever. The The wife was pregnant, and then there was the grandmother was in the car. The whole trunk was smashed. But they couldn't turn back because they had already made plans to go to Disney, and I think they were from Pennsylvania, and they were on their way. So they literally left the scene and continued on their route because they were like, "This we already purchased everything. We got to go. And then that car hit another, another car. car. It was like a BMW or Benz or something like that. It was a, it was a big-time it was car. Big-time. It was like, yo, this is crazy. So, you know, God has... God has had his unction on us. We got so many stories, and I look forward to sharing a lot of them. But he hit the car, we get out, we like. And and the, the crazy thing, you know, you got teenage boys. We just got the van. They trust in us because they were really reluctant to give us the van. We found out later on that the license plate was expired. Registration was expired. No insurance on the car. All this, all this going on. And I think my license was suspended. <laughs> for a ticket in Frostburg. Like, so this is all going on. Now we're in a car accident. So we're in a car accident. We get out the car. We like, yo, oh, everybody okay. So everybody's kind of like frantic. And then a, a black woman, shout out. She was a state trooper. Gorgeous. Mm. And we seen her another time too. And she still remembered us. So she pull up and she's like trying to figure it out. And there's all these black African kids coming out the car at 16, 17 years old. And we're like, it, it wasn't excitement, but it was like, oh. But everybody no. started laughing. <laughs> Because we, for some reason, we love like conflict or calamity. Like when you see someone, something bad happen to someone, it's like people laugh. I don't understand that, but it was just how we were. But the the crazy thing was, we're talking to her, you know, getting everything squared away, and then jokes are always going to win because we calm the situation down. It's all of us 
imagine just six six or seven kids coming out the car at 16, 17 years old and we're like, oh yeah, um, we didn't know what happened. So we're talking our way out of it and she's we're making her laugh and she's trying to stay serious. Long story short, um, we got out of the situation. She was really gracious to us. She didn't even lock us up, Nothing. impound the car. She, she basically told us, we drove off. She said, okay, meet me, like take this exit and we got to this parking lot. She basically said, all right, guys, I know, we, we all know the situation, mm-hmm. but once I leave here, I don't know anything. And we was young, because yeah. at first we was like, huh? huh? She was like, like, once I leave, I leave. So whatever yeah. happens, you do, that's on you. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 you're right, you're okay. right. <laughs> and then she drove off, we drove off. And you know what's crazy? We drove, we went through all this, got to Warrington. You would think it would have been a thousand people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It was, it was like five people. Yeah, it was. We we're like, where the people at? We drove. We know what we went through to get here, but we still had a good time because we met the, uh, the guy from California. I forgot right. what his name is. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our yeah. preacher, whatever his name is. But it was like it was just amazing the tenacity and the, like the the uh, the perseverance we had. Like we got to get there. Like this is our mission. I go and everything happened and allowed us to get to that point. But it, it was amazing. These are some of the examples of things that we encountered. And she, I think she was happy to see that these young we're black kids were trying to minister or trying to help people through their music. Right. And they were really, we were serious about it. It wasn't like a joke for us. You know, when we were 16, 17 years old, we weren't out there like, God had really touched our youth group and stuff like that. So we really wanted to try to touch the city. And there was a time, obviously we wild out and stuff like that. But during that time period, we were really dedicated. And she saw the dedication that even when the law was against us she she gave us an opportunity that was it and and freed us and we dealt with all the issues later and the church was all mad at us and we figured that out later on but it was a, a good movement and it showed the the unity that although we were african we we had a unifying factor that connected us it also goes back to uh when we talk about the thought processes when we talk about work ethic these are things that our African heritage and culture have deep, it's deeply entrenched within us. Mm-hmm. That we, I mean, we've been working, what, since what, 14, 15 years old? Yeah. And Eyeball the, job. And uh, then they say, you know, African-Americans are, uh, you know, lazy and stuff like that. Uh, they built the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> so. And everything you see. To me, for me, my opinion, African-Americans are the strongest group of people on earth. One of them, at least. You still rolling with all that has happened and continue to happen. And open the doors for everybody. Everybody. So when the African be like, you know, oh, they like African now, they Wakanda now, but they wasn't like that before when they... That's the problem. We keep dividing and conquering each other. Exactly. We're supposed to build each other up, lift each other up. Shout out to people all over the world, but we need to acknowledge and see, hey, you know what? These people bring a lot. We bring a lot. Black history is every day. Is yeah. is is all people's history, mm-hmm. right? Because we all came from Africa. That's it. Even when you read, from Africa, <laughs> <laughs> even when you read the Bible, everything you read, that's your history. Right, you're in there. The first five books of the Bible is called Torah. Right. This is a Bible lesson for y'all. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's called Torah. In most religions, whether it be whether you're Muslim or you're Christian or whatever religion, they all at least adhere to the fact that these books are sacred on some level. Now, it may be varying degrees on what that means, but they all adhere to it. And that was written by Moses. Moses was what? We said earlier, 
a Hebrew in Egypt. Mm -hmm. He was African. What do you think he? He like? was born in Africa. He was born in Egypt or Kemet, whatever term y'all want to use. That's a whole other thing we'll talk about later when we get into the historical um, context. But he was born in Egypt and wrote the book. The book is African history. It? It's already African That's history it. in LA. When you go downtown, you see Moses, a statue of Moses. You see a statue of uh, some kind of Roman centurion of a sort, and. It shows that it, the context, the substratum, the base of law came from Africa. Mm -hmm. Yes, it. So that's the contribution Africans have made and continue to make. And we're going to explore it more in our next podcast. But we just want to at least lay a, a great foundation to show love to our people. Yeah. And to be strong and continue to move forward because this is a great time. This is 2019, which would be 400 years from 1619 to now. It's 400 years. Mm -hmm. Got to celebrate it. We got to celebrate it because day. this is biblical history. If you, I mean, prophetic history, if anything, we'll talk about that as well. But sending love to our people even in the midst of all the brokenness shout out to the our people in chicago shout out to our people all in the in DC, the in the everywhere. broken areas that is broken right now we will not stay broken we will continue to grow we will continue to thrive and we will see the glory of god revealed on the earth again and he's doing it through music shout out to kendrick shout out to he'll speak through the music if you listen to damn like that 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 album alone top to bottom that was the number one album. God said, I'll speak to you in any way. He's going to speak through the small ways. He speaks through everything, as we said earlier. So this is me and my, my partner, Co. June. We signing off. God bless you. Stay strong and stay tuned. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors, IPG and Carry On Transportation Solutions. You have just listened to the Out of Ashan podcast with your hosts, June and Co. Be sure to visit our website at www.outofashan.com to join the conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Also, share with others. See you on our next episode.